0: Thank you, Ty. Good morning, everybody. Oh, it's really good. Really good to see you. May God speak to us this morning. Uh, the title of the sermon is Prayer and Presence. I think we've got a PowerPoint. Hopefully it'll work. So, oh, we've got a clicker, haven't I? Here we go. So, Prayer and Presence. So Mary is a bit of a hero in Scripture, isn't she? Every time she appears... She gets commended or something happens as a result of Mary being there. Um, John 11, perhaps you know that, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Martha's the one who's proactive, might not surprise you. She's out there. uh, In verse 19, she went out to meet Jesus on the way as Jesus was going. And she kind of elicits a treatise from Jesus. They have a big theological discussion after martha goes out to greet him but when mary goes out to greet him you know the response is the shortest verse in the bible yeah john 11:35 jesus wept and the response is a miracle really through through mary and this passage here luke 10 she's the one who's commended so there's something about mary that is right that we can learn from Now, are you aware that probably, possibly, hard to systematize it, but this Mary is remembered in all of the four Gospels. There are very few things that occur in all four Gospels, but the woman who washes Jesus' feet is in all four Gospels, and it's kind of hard to tell who it is, because everyone was called Mary in those days. Even the blokes were called Mary, just to make it... (laughs) To make it easy, but, but it is possible this is Mary, she may have originally come from Magdalene who washes jesus feet, um, because if you kind of look at the different gospels, it happens at Simon the Pharisee 's house. you think, oh, uh, what 's that got to do at Simon the Pharisee 's house in Bethany? This is where Mary and Martha were from. Also elsewhere in Scripture, Simon is called as Simon the leper, yeah? and Leper in Greek is Lazarus. So, the parable about Dives and Lazarus, Dives means rich, Lazarus means leprous. Who knows that actually maybe the parable of Dives and Lazarus was Jesus talking with Dives, with, with Lazarus, after John 11? We, we just don't know. But why is she a hero? Why is she to be emulated? How come she gets action when the rest of us <laughs> just get talk every time she's at Jesus' feet, every time she appears in Scripture? That's where she is, listening and learning and enjoying the presence of God and carrying the presence of God with her when she gets up and when she goes from there. The presence of God is is utterly paramount to us as individuals and to us as a church. I still, though I used to lead here, I still. This is more. This is my fellowship. You you know, you're my people. This is my home. There's no place like home. Click click your red shoes, click your heels together. There really is no place like your home church. It's just so lovely worshipping with you. But presence, the presence of God is actually what you are looking for. The presence of God is what everyone is looking for. He He is the desire of all nations who, if they came into church, would not love the Jesus that we love. The Jesus who shows up. Surely every person coming in off the road, unless they're their soul is completely dead, would say, oh, surely God is amongst you, I need this. But the presence of God is paramount for us personally. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken from her. That is Jesus in his presence. From an individual, of course, we often experience this through prayer, don't we? So I'm going to allude to prayer now, hence why the title is Prayer in Presence. Prayer, I tell you, you can tell the difference. Of course, no formula ever fits. But you talk to somebody, they say, uh, uh, they ask them if they pray, and they say, yeah, I pray. And you say, do you pray for yourself? And they go, oh, no, 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 I could never do that. I only pray for other people. Do you know what I mean? When you talk to somebody like that, you think, you've got a way to go yet, actually. Because when you know God, when you know Jesus, it's an encounter. Prayer is designed. I'm not saying I get it, or I, I'm there, okay? But prayer is an encounter. It's, it's deeply personal. It's where you're your heart and your soul is ripped open and you just tell everything to Jesus and you talk to him so the person who only prays for others, oh they're wonderful and they're really selfless but they have a way to go because prayer isn't just a shopping list for other people although that's okay, anything's better than nothing. Right? Prayer is an encounter with God where you go into your closet, the old authorised version of it you close the door and God is in the house. He's left now there was a guy at HPC so for those of you who don't no, I left here to go and find a really easy place to work <laughs> with over 10,000 swarthy, sweary blokes. There's a guy up there. I don't know if you you would recognize this person, Mary, but you probably don't know who they were. They went to Bulgaria, and they went into an Orthodox church with no windows in this room that they went into. Now, put this in your evangelical pipe and smoke it. There was an icon in the room. They closed the door and a light came into the room. You know, And they said to me, Ewan, what should I do about this? I said, I think you really need to turn to Jesus. I mean, some people think they can get away with scot-free, but the greater the revelation, the greater the culpability. If you've had something like that happen in your life, you've just got to follow Jesus. And actually, I kind of helped them for two years while they were trying to run from God, and I was trying to help them run towards him. But that's what prayer can be like. That's what the closet, the closed room can be like. Intimate and powerful. And I want to say, how can we cope all day? How can you go to your workplace? Just think of what you do. How can you cope without the presence of God going with you? And you having been charged up from an encounter with him in the morning. Now, I'm not saying that's always easy, and I'm going to cover that later, but C.H. Spurgeon, who was a great 18th century preacher, said, I've got so much to do today, I simply have to spend two hours in prayer first. Now, I don't like things like that, but you know that's how we should start our day, and he wanted to carry the presence of God with him. So I don't know if you watch Points West on Friday the 13th, part three, and if you've seen me with my tuft of hair coming up like this, because we had the BB, somebody said to be Colin, from our... From our um, our office. We came back and said, great hairdo there you And I said, haven't you read the memo Colin? It's the new style, okay? You've heard of the wave and the flow, but now it's the tuft. It is the thing that is in. So the Lord Lieutenant of Somerset, who is the king's representative and one of his deputies who is an Anakin lay preacher heard about the way we do faith on site, which is really, really unusual. Between you and me, it's really unusual for EDF because they're French. And they don't do, France doesn't do religion, does it? You know, secular state and all that. And they wanted to come and see how we do faith and prayer. And it's not really complex. We just let people practice their faith. And one senior guy who was in the prayer meeting told me afterwards, he says, I've had an epiphany. You don't know who this is, Mary, and I can't tell you. So somebody really said, I've had my eyes open. Something strange happened there in that prayer time. All we were doing was the Celtic liturgy, that we used to do with the office staff here, but God was in the house. So, you know, isn't that wonderful? And corporately, that person whose name I can't imagine, if they came into this place, they would feel exactly the same. You ever been in this church and wanted to cry? Not because of my sermon, Chris. <laughs> Chris saw that I was on this one, he said, Oh, I would have brought my pillow. But I noticed <laughs> lots of you were here really early. Thank you, all of you who turned up at nine thirty four AM. I won't ask for a show of hands. But who, that person included, wouldn't come into a place like this and say, surely God is among you, and they may hear a prophetic word. You know, Jesus is the answer to everything. Jesus is the desired one of all nations. If you get the presence, you get the people. If you get the cloud, you get the crowd. Not that we're focusing on those things, right? Okay? This is only an illustration Jesus' word is, you seek first the kingdom of God and I will build my church. Yeah, We seek the kingdom and when the king comes, his people come as well. And he draws people and it's lovely to see the church still growing. It's just great. So second point. So Martha's all about presence. Mary, excuse me, Mary's all about presence. Now we're on to Martha. So what's the issue here? In these days of inclusivity... And everyone getting a prize in the school relay because nobody can miss out. Yeah? You know, you know, FOMO is a big thing nowadays. Oh, you lost and you were really useless, but you still get a prize and so on. We often fudge this and you'll have heard some and said, it really doesn't matter whether you're a Martha or a Mary because Jesus loves you all the same. You may be a Mary, you may be a Martha. Both are winners and equally valuable. Well, it is true. But that's not the point of this passage, and if you shift it to that, you've missed the point. Both are not equally valid when Jesus is inviting you to a blessing, to a banquet, to sit in his presence at his feet. Mary's approach is right, Martha's isn't. It's nothing to do with personality types. The issue is not making sandwiches, the issue is not about personality types or temperament, Right? It's not about personality types, it's about priorities. Right? It's not about temperament, it's about timing. Martha is doing an appropriate action at the inappropriate, wrong time. There's nothing wrong with being busy and making sandwiches, particularly if I get to eat them. But if Jesus has got a banquet on offer himself, that is the priority, whatever your temperament is. We are all um, a mix of Mary and Martha, but there is a time to be each, and that's really what this passage is about. Don't make sandwiches before you've tasted Jesus' presence. Martha is distracted by many things because she's doing her devotions with her iPhone. And she's distracted by many apps. I'm very sympathetic to this. I think I'm easily addicted. I have a lizard brain that basically focuses, boom, the minute my phone goes ping, I'm I'm on it and I'm going after it like, boo, our dog goes after rabbits and so on. It's a similar kind of addictive behaviour, really. Martha is distracted by many things, many apps on her phone, and Jesus gets left on the side. She's doing when she should be being. Oh, it sounds a bit like these boots are made for walking, doesn't it? You were lying when you should have been truthing. You were doing when you should have been sitting. The reality is this. Sit, study, get charged up, and filled up, then get up and go, and God goes with you. Interesting, actually. Most of the instructions in Scripture about I will be with you is when you get up and go. But I will be with you because you're carrying my presence and you prioritised it already. It's an issue of priorities irrespective of personality type. And if we don't seek Jesus, and we don't seek the kingdom of God first, we don't seek them at all. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. If you don't seek Jesus... And the kingdom of God first, You don't, we, I won't say you, we don't seek them at all. The truth is, God is kind, merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. But he is jealous too. He is jealous for you and he wants to be number one in your life. And you really can't put the creator of the universe, 15 billion light years of expanding space. And now we know how big it is. You, we really can't put him as number two. Jesus is either number one or he's nowhere at all. That doesn't mean it isn't a fight and it isn't a struggle to keep him there. The trouble with living sacrifice is they keep crawling off the altar. So we have to keep offering ourselves again and again. That's okay. That's part of the struggle and the disciplines of Christian faith. He is jealous for us and he's jealous for our sake and for our very best because he knows what is best for us. Anything else gets on that throne, it's going to let you down. Yeah. He will let the world have their idols, their distractions, their destructions, but not his children. Nothing that harms this relationship or our priority or us will be tolerated by God. Even and especially good things can be idols. I know that. and They've got to be in their right place. They've got to be kept subdued with a taser, really. C.S. Lewis is just a genius, isn't he? I don't know what book this is in, but I remember the quote. Our father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns, like pubs, with some pleasant inns, but he will not encourage us to mistake them for home. There are loads of other good things that you can enjoy and you should enjoy. There's a Jewish parable that God will hold us to account, not only for all the good things that we abused, but all of the good things that we should have enjoyed that we didn't. Like skiing. <laughs> Jesus is called. Really? Hallelujah! And walking, Ian? 48, 49 days? 50 days? I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? I'm walking already with you, mate. But they cannot become an idol. Are your good things frustrated or getting frustrated? Do you wonder why they keep breaking down? Do you wonder why they. Never quite come through with all the goods and so on. Well, firstly, that is life. Secondly, maybe God is trying to teach you that these things can be part of your life and you can enjoy them, but he's got to be first. God wants you to enjoy them, but come to realise they can't replace him or they cannot become idols. Martha is doing the right thing at the wrong time. Mary is doing the right thing at the right time because of her priorities. After this, after her quiet time, in her closet... Her worship in church, she'll get up, make sandwiches, go to work and carry Jesus with her all day and she'll operate from presence, not run on vapours. Now in practice it might be different for you and me. You'll have your own rhythm of prayer. In practice it might be different, in priority it cannot be. Martha, Mary has chosen the right thing. And it can't be as a church. We need Jesus dynamically present in our midst, amongst us. It is utterly paramount. Point three. Three points all beginning with P. Nothing changes, does it? So let me just address this. Yeah, yeah, you and I hear you, as ever, and I'm half asleep. I hear you, but I'm a motivated Martha and you're a bit of a mystic Mary or a mystic Meg. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm a motivated Martha and you're a mystic Meg. That's for those kind of people. Now listen, I've dealt with that. It is nothing to do with personality types, whether you're introvert or extrovert, got a big mouth mouth like me, or you're quiet, okay? Forget the mystic bit. By all means, if you want, but be a Mary. Prioritise Jesus first. Next thing you might say, we say, yeah, but I never feel anything. Actually, I seldom do. Most of my worship is pure discipline, and as I get older, it seems to be more like that, unless I'm in church because it all comes alive. And you can see this is not only a personal thing, it is a corporate thing. If you're low, this is where you need to be because you tug onto other people's coattails and you get dragged into the presence of God, kicking and screaming, even if you're resistant and in sin. Isn't it wonderful that we need one another? You might say, but I never feel anything. Actually, I seldom do. And who said it was about feelings anyway? Maybe I implied that. If I did, I didn't mean to. Here... This is not only about presence, it's about the place of learning. Sitting at the feet of a rabbi is the place of learning and listening. It is the place where your faith grows, okay? And you listen to the Word as rabbi student. It's not particularly about emotions here. She was listening to Jesus. So it's okay for you to have your quiet time and major on the Word and read it. Yeah? It can't only be heart, can it? It's got to be heart and head. It's got to be body, mind, mind. Heart, soul, mind and strength. And mig has got some good sermons on that. It can't only be heart, because the heart is deceptive above all things, isn't it? And who knows that? I, the Lord, know the heart. And I search it and I remind, reward a person according to their deans in Jeremiah. It's got to be about heart, soul, mind and strength. Bless your wrath. Love your voice. Love your worship. Love the balance. Love the old stuff which links us with the historic church, you know. Some of the hymns, some of the hymns we sing are almost 1,700 years old in their, in their origins. That is wonderful. I want to be part of that. I'm part of the historic church. This is part of this heart, soul, mind and strength. This is worshipping with your mind and worshipping with your spirit. This is psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. It's the whole gambit. Psalms is the old book. It's the Psalter. Hymns are the new ones with meter and rhythm. Psalms, spiritual songs are the ones that we sing this year but they'll be discarded next year. And that's the, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, fluffy bunnies, God is nice, I love you, Lord. Do you not know that one? It's got, it goes G, C, D, G, C, D, <laughs> C2, G2, C2, G2, G2. <laughs> Do um, you see, it's a balance of all of these. It's a balance of all of these things. And it's about this for individuals in a church. So you might then say, well, oh, what am I pressing? Oh, nothing happened, that's good. A bit like my life, really. I haven't got another point. We're coming into land. You might say, I can't go for all this introspective stuff. I'm not saying that. This is meditation. It is not melancholy. The guy at work who was touched in the prayer time when the Lord Lieutenant came, we were just being silent. Right? Right? We weren't licking our wounds or anything like that. This is meditation, not melancholy. That's why, for me, Celtic prayer helped me because it gives me a framework to pray and it stops me worrying before God and it has me declaring things that are actually truthful and positive rather than repeating negatives and fretting. So you sit in Jesus' presence. Then you stand and you go, Now let the weak say, I am strong because of what the Lord has done for me. So for those of you who want to get away from this one by saying, I'm not into all that navel-gazing and stuff like that, it is nothing to do with that. It is so you can stand up and be strong. One of my readings this week, 2nd, 1 Kings chapter 2, David says this to Solomon, be strong, show yourself a man, walk in his ways. I think that's a word for us men in the church. One of the great things that ha- is happening at Hinkley... Um, is the number of Christians has grown dramatically. Nothing to do with me. It's because God has brought people to our country to bless us. We've got lots of Romanians. Here's the wonderful thing, right? Communism, Ceausescu, those orphanages, and all of that trauma only poured petrol on their faith. They are alive spiritually. It is Eastern European and is like going back 40 years. That is only to do with culture. It has nothing to do with Christ. They are committed. All of the men are in church with their lovely wives, with the kids running around. They've planted one congregation, one church with two congregations in Taunton, one in Bridgewater. They've got a congregation of 500 in Bristol. They are utterly alive spiritually. Half of them are genuine Christians I know that because they might be worried that I'm not. <laughs> you know, I do want to say to one of you guys, okay, you don't have to preach to me, mate. You don't have to keep quoting the Bible to me. I, I do know it. They are so, so, so alive. And why I'm so excited about it, I feel equipped to help people who come to Christ in different ways. While I was here, but particularly in Winchester, it had a lot to do with the unity movements and so on. And I want to create a place where now about 750 Christians can come together and some will be praying in English, some will be praying in Polish, some will be praying in Spanish and Bulgarian and things like that. And who cares about the culture because it's all about Christ with the one person right in the centre. Of it. And I feel I'm for such a time as this. It's really, really exciting. But what I want to say is what's astonishing about the Romanian churches, it's not. It's 50-50. It's not two-thirds, one-third. Yeah? The men are standing up and taking a taking a lead. Oh, you, you might say, "Well, as for sitting at Jesus's feet, I can't do this stuff all day." You and I've got stuff to do. No, you can't. You can't sit at Jesus's feet all day. Oh, huh, maybe you can, right? It's a bit of both and. You sit to go. But if you sit properly at the start, you'll learn how to walk in God's presence all day long and practice the presence of God. So even while you're doing your Martha stuff and you're running around making sandwiches in your workplace, that's where most of us have to be. We've got to be out there in the world, haven't we? Yeah, or looking after our ageing parents, all those things that do not feel like a lot of fun. But there is a way to sit in Jesus's presence and then go and be active and carry and meditate and practice the presence of God all day. Now, I need to be careful and sensitive here. What about if there's no presence in our lives, in my life? If, what if I'm in a desert now, right? Well, all I can say is you're probably in good company. Especially at the moment. It is a strange season for our world. I'm not getting big about it. I'm not prophesying anything, but it is a strange time. Hasn't it been these last four years? In fact, since I left Creech, the whole world has fallen apart. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, you, and all is forgiven. Firstly, what if you're in a desert? Well, it's not about feelings, but about faith, priorities, and Jesus' promises, I will never leave you. So, the feeling is sometimes elusive. The feeling of God's presence is sometimes elusive. Feelings follow faith, which follows the facts of his faithfulness. Deserts are complex and I don't know why you might be there now. They are part of life. They are okay. The saints all had them. All the saints lived there. You think about it. Moses, David, Elijah, Elisha, John the Baptist. I'm not talking about the sand. I'm talking about the feelings when you don't feel God's presence at all. Jesus lived in the desert. It says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief in Isaiah 53. The Apostle Paul lived in the desert. C.S. Lewis was a bit of a de- depressive. J.B. Phillips, remember him? Ring of Truth and Bible Translations. The guy didn't feel God's presence for a lot of his time. Uh, uh, oh, I've got other people come into my mind, I won't mention them, and so on. Um, Trevor Deering, anybody remember Trevor Deering? No? Hainault? You know, Trevor was a depressive, actually. So deserts are very complex. They are part of life. Sometimes they are for a season, like maybe now we have to show our mettle. Hezekiah, says, God left him to test him and to reveal his heart. Would that happen with us? Seeing as Jesus has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I don't know. We can be tested, can't we? We can be tested. There are times of desert. Sometimes it's for a season, sometimes it's for a reason. Again, like now, something bigger may be going on that we don't know about. When you're at the theatre and the curtains close and it is dark, it's because something is being prepared behind those curtains. And the longer the darkness, the longer the pause, the bigger the sea change when you open the curtains. So, you know, you're in a desert now. It doesn't mean that things won't change very, very soon. But I just need to check that we're not the reason for that season that we're in. I'm not talking about Christmas, the season in our lives, the desert, okay? One of the tragic things is the Old Testament about Samson, as it says, he got up, but he didn't know that the Lord had left him. Because of what he'd been doing, he'd been fooling around and his hair had been cut. Basically because he'd been capitulating to culture. It's tragic. Actually, it's not unlike some parts of the church today who have capitulated to culture, sold the family jewels, had their hair shorn and have no power. Let's pray that Samson's hair will grow again. But it was Samson's fault. Just check that you haven't caused or welcomed or indulged in or precipitated the desert that you're in. And maybe today is the day to return to Jesus Christ. he's only one prayer away one turning away one step away maybe in the desert Jesus is saying to us it's time to move on now I've been waiting I've been waiting for you to sit down to prioritise to cease your distraction to get rid of your idols to seek first the kingdom of God in my presence to seek my presence in my seeming absence we've seen um, City Slickers as a film I know it's ancient now it must be 20 years it's just so funny um, Jack Palance, and who's the other bloke? Um, oh, oh um, Billy Crystal, isn't it? And in Curly's Gold, Jack Polance says, what you've got to learn is the one, the secret in life, the one thing. And Billy Crystal looks at him and says, well, what, you mean your finger? And he says, no. And he, does, he doesn't answer. He doesn't tell him what the one thing is. Because he's got to find that one thing himself. Mary has chosen the better way, and it will not be taken from her. Get it? Get the one thing? Let's pray. Maybe today is the day to return wholeheartedly to Jesus, to take all the things that have been on the throne of our lives off and put them on the ground and let Jesus get back onto the throne of our lives. Those things have been hurting us anyway. They're good things, but they've become idols, and it's time to lay them aside and wholeheartedly come back to Jesus and give him your heart. Today is the day, and Jesus is the way. Lord, we give you our hearts in wholehearted obedience if we're in a desert of our own making, we return to you today, we trudge across the desert and we come back to the river of life to where Jesus is waiting in in an oasis with all that we need. Lord, we pray too from here today that you will help us to know how to practice your presence, both in our personal lives and in this church. May the presence of God fill his temple here and the temple of our lives. Amen.